0: This This is
1: the Second Second
0: Story Podcast.
1: On this week's Second Story Podcast, we bring you a true story written and performed by Alyssa Cereso. Alyssa performed this story with Second Story in January of 2013 at Webster's Wine Bar in Lincoln Park. The theme of the evening was New Again, Stories of Starting Over. With her story titled Go Back to Your Boyfriend, Second Story presents Alyssa Cereso.
0: I was out at Lesbian Night at the candy bar in Soho. And by Soho, I mean English queers, not New York City snobs. I had been in London for a month, pursuing a year-long master's degree to boost my credentials. While I was being a good student, I had actually used a master's degree abroad as an excuse to flee my life in the U.S. Maybe that seems a little extreme to you. I'm obviously not a suffering refugee. I had a relatively cushy life before I left Chicago, with a full-time job, a great apartment, lots of friends, a four-year relationship with my boyfriend Dan, and at least one other intimate relationship going on at any given time. I know what you're thinking. Who the hell stays in a relationship for four years anymore, right? (laughs) But seriously... Dan and I were in what was called a polyamorous or open relationship, and this meant we got to shag, date, and have relationships with other people. Dan and I were what we called primary partners. As the primary partners, we made the ground rules that influenced our other relationships. Our four basic rules were, use protection at all times, be respectful of each other's emotions, be honest about our other relationships, and... Employ cock-blocking when necessary. You guys have that last one in your relationships, right? (laughs) No? (laughs) Okay. Well, if you don't, let me explain. Basically, when you're in an open relationship, you can have a rule where your primary partner has to approve of the other people you're involved with. Now, in Dan and I's relationship, this rule was used the least. Actually, I don't ever remember using it. <laughs> and that became a huge problem because almost immediately I was having all the other relationships while Dan had very few. And not only that, they were the dramatic high school variety. The three hour long makeout sessions in a car late at night, the cinematic breakups in a car late at night, <laughs> the obsessive passion that led me to stalk. My partner in my car late at night? (laughs) You know, maybe that last one was more of my problem, but it just shows that I poured endless amounts of not-so-positive energy into these other people. And in the process, I began sacrificing the health of the one stable partnership in my life. But Dan didn't cock block, so I didn't stop. And it got bad. I started breaking our rules more often, like the time I had unprotected sex with two partners in the same day and didn't tell either of them. I am not proud of my actions now, and I wasn't then either. I felt guilty and ashamed of my choices, but it just became this uncontrollable, never-ending pattern. And even in the midst of all this drama, Dan stayed with me. And I still needed him there. He was the only person with whom I ever felt good about myself. By the fourth and last year of our relationship, I was completely lost. I couldn't control my impulses. I couldn't control my desires. I couldn't say no. And neither could Dan. It was clear that I had to leave Chicago somehow, put an ocean between myself and everyone I'd ever had any type of relationship with. That's what I needed. Thousands of miles, millions of gallons of water, an entirely different country, just to start over. So I did. And on September 30th, 2010, I left for London, England. During the first month that I lived in London, I became the opposite of my bisexual pride parade in America. Instead of, I'm out and I'm proud, I was more like, I'm isolated and asexual. Really, (laughs) that's how I felt or wanted to feel. Completely non-sexual. I wasn't interested in anyone. Even though I was in a distant country surrounded by a population of gorgeous international people, and of course I'm speaking mainly about the non-British here, I'd sit in a cafe next to a guy who is absolutely hot by my standards and think, how am I going to get to school? I have no idea how to use my Oyster card. (laughs) But that was okay with me. I was absorbed in a new world of everything. Architecture, school with interesting subject matter, chips and mayonnaise, learning how not to embarrass myself by seeing trousers when I meant pants and not underwear. Sex was not on the table. And by the end of the month, I felt great, like, wow, I'm really doing this, being alone. Also, for that entire month, no one hit on me. (laughs) Unbelievable, right? I mean, me. Look at me. I mean, like, back then, because now I just look, like, domestic. Anyway. I guess I was okay, you know, given my, what my goals were, were, but I was in a coffee shop almost every day, a veritable breeding ground for flirtation, and it seemed about zero people even gave me a nod of interest. Which is why, going back to the lesbian night at the candy bar in Soho, I was slightly taken aback when an attractive young woman named Naomi saddled up next to me with a hello and some very provocative lip poutage. You are gorgeous, she said, immediately drawing my attention. Side note, Naomi had a proper British accent, which I am not even going to attempt to do, but you must know the overall effect was super hot. Naomi was a 21-year-old recent graduate of the British Navy, i.e., the hottest fantasy I never knew I had. She was shorter than me by a few inches, had long, dark brown hair, and flawless porcelain skin we started chatting with light touches on each other's arms and the sexual tension was palpable how old are you naomi asked me pursing her rose lips around the straw of her rum and coke as i watched the liquid disappear from her glass i forgot any intentions of behaving myself (laughs) you know going out to the candy bar was just fun with friends anyway the fact that it was a lesbian bar was even better I never had any drama with women in America, only men. So I figured I was safe here. It wouldn't hurt just to flirt with someone, right? I gamely told Naomi I was 29. Oh my God, are you serious? You're so beautiful. You can't be 29. (laughs) I could have been insulted, but she was really cute. (laughs) And, as I soon discovered, a great kisser. I'm sure you're not judging me right. I knew you wouldn't. So after about 20 minutes of steamy necking, Naomi and I took a break to get another drink. I felt good. So far, I had handled the situation quite nicely with some very subtle groping around her cleavage. I signaled for a drink while Naomi turned to me and slurred, I'll bet you're one of those types. Waving my hand more urgently, I replied, what do you mean, those types? You know, the type of girl who's actually straight with a boyfriend, but comes into a lesbian bar just to get some kicks? My arm dropped, and a thought bubble appeared over my head. A uh, damn! Judgy, judgy much 21-year-old? <laughs> well, yeah, I said. I had one before I left the States, but even then, I was in an open relationship with him and dated women, too but i'm here in london to be alone that's what i want are you still in love with him your boyfriend naomi said catching the waitress's attention i i I don't know maybe i that's not what i'm here to find out right i'm not here making out with you to reflect on whether or not i'm still in love with dan jesus where did that whole conversation come from We returned to our corner couch full drinks in hand and started kissing again I was trying to forget Naomi's questions when she pulled away slightly pushing at my shoulder Go on then have fun with your boyfriend What? I told you I don't have a boyfriend come on I'm here with you I pulled her back in to show her I was serious but she pouted and pulled away again Come on why don't you go on back to your boyfriend I know your type At this point, I was, to put it in the most polite American terms, about to smack a hoe. (laughs) Fuck this chick and her 21 years. What the hell did she know about me? And why didn't she believe me? Did I exude a relationship aura or something? Maybe all those years in relationships had stuck on me like a black tar from an oil slick. And yeah, she might be hot and in the British Navy, but... Yeah, no, she was hot and in the British Navy. But still, I didn't come all the way across the ocean to have some obliterated Brit undermine my decisions. I stood up and grabbed my purse. I think I'm going to go. I'm really tired, and my friends are probably looking for me. Naomi could tell I was brushing her off. She followed me downstairs to the coat check, where she badgered me enough to get my number, and then quickly started dancing into the crowd. Completely put off, I left the club without bothering to find my friends. I boarded the first leg of my 30-minute commute home to Stoke Newington, London's answer to Chicago's Andersonville neighborhood. The train was jammed with sloppy, drunk English people, all shameless before midnight, and the white train doors slid shut, and I was pressed against very loud, smelly bodies, I made myself as small as possible so no one would notice me or my type. A few days later, I was sitting on my bed when my phone pinged with a text message from Naomi. I really enjoyed meeting you. You're so beautiful. I'd love to take you out this weekend. I looked at the text, and Naomi's taunting refrain repeated in my mind, Go on back to your boyfriend, and, and, and... I thought about my decision to leave the U.S. Had I been overdramatic? Was this living in London thing really going to work, or was Naomi right? In the end, was I just going to go on back to my boyfriend? My phone beeped again with another text message from Naomi. Naomi. I pensively ran my thumb over the keypad while I recalled the two major questions I knew I needed to answer if this year were to be as wildly life-changing as I wanted it to be. One, who was I without a relationship? And two, why was it important to be alone? I decided not to go out with Naomi. (laughs) I told her that she was lovely, but I didn't want to drag her into my already convoluted love life. My gut said I wouldn't find the answers in a date with her or anyone else. And by the the end of my time in London, I enjoyed being alone and had learned to love myself for who I was, bad relationship choices and all. The ironic twist is that Naomi turned out to be right. I did actually go on back to my boyfriend. (laughs) In fact, on November 12, 2011, two days after returning to America, I asked that boyfriend to marry me. We were laying in bed when I said, Dan, I want to be your wife. (laughs) I know that's more of a demand than a proposal, (laughs) but... Even more than both of those, it was a choice to make going back a way to move forward.
1: That was Alyssa Cereso. She's an international writer, performer, and teaching artist living in Chicago. Her writing has appeared in Yes Poetry and on a com and applieddrama.com. She also features her own work on her two websites, tactlessgrace.com and teachingartisttrainer.com. This story was curated by C.P. Chang with performance direction by Liz Rice and a sound design by Nick Kawahara. If this story gives you ideas for your own Second Story, we'd love to hear them. Join us in Chicago at Webster's Wine Bar in Lincoln Park on February 10th and 11th for Let's Make Out, Stories of Awkward Love. For tickets or for more information about Second Story, visit our website at secondstory.com. That's 2ndstory.com. Second Story podcasts are brought to you in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the City Arts Programme, the Arts Works Fund, and the Chicago Community Foundation. Podcast support from Amanda Delheimer-Diamond, Bobby Badrisky, the Second Story Publishing Committee, C.P. Chang, Liz Rice, Nick Kawahara, Eric Hazen, Danielle Ezel, Sherry Pentamone, and myself. I'm Ozzy Totten, and this is Second Story. Thanks for listening.